welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Let's turn our direction this morning to David, King David, a man after God's heart. We're in a series this summer called Route 66. It's a road trip through the Bible. And uh, we're looking at characters in the Bible, and just like if you would meander at Route 66, uh, you could see several of the major highlights in the United States, but there's also all these little byways and communities that you can explore. And so uh, we began three weeks ago with uh, Joseph, and then last week was Daniel. This week is David, but we're also going to cover some things like Hosea and Gomer. They're one of the little byways that you wouldn't think about, but uh, we're just, uh, we, we, we just are opening our hearts and eyes and understanding and enjoying what God has to say to us through the character of these men and women in God's word. Psalm 78, 70 to 72 says this of David. God, or he also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From the care of the ewes with suckling lambs, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. David, from the pasture to the palace, had two qualities that God uses, integrity of heart and skillfulness of hand that established him, first of all, as a successful shepherd, son, and later on as the king of Israel. And today, God uses this in the life of anyone, anyone that has a heart after God to fulfill his purpose in our generation and our day. So there's three things I want to share with you today from God's Word about David, this absolutely remarkable individual, this very um, many, many faceted, um, just this outstanding individual, most outs- the, the best-known king of all of Israel. The first thing was this, Acts 13.36 says that he fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. He fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation, and then afterwards he laid down with, with his brethren. He was the last of eight sons of Jesse, so he was the youngest child. And uh, it's interesting how God has a way of promoting those that, other than who you would think would be the head. Uh, in the case of Joseph, Joseph was the youngest one at one person, but he was, he was the one that God promoted. And David is the one that God chose to succeed Saul after the kingdom had been taken from Saul's hands. He was a, the shepherd that became one of the greatest kings of Israel. He was a man with a passionate love for God and for his people. He was called 
by God himself, a man after God's heart. He was a powerful warrior. He was a musician and a great poet psalmist. He was known as the shepherd king, and he was the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Now, why did Scripture say and how could it say that he fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation? First of all, David realized, this is what was written of him in 2 Samuel 5.12, David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. David realized that the position that God had given to him, the blessings that God had given to him, were not for primarily self-consumption, but to be used to bless other people and to further the purpose of God. God has put into our hands great resources, great blessings, that we would fulfill God's purposes in our days. God gave to him the Davidic covenant, which was God's intention to bring mercy and grace through of the nation of Israel to that fallen world that was there. You can read about it, and I'd encourage you to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, David wanted to do something, and the prophet Nathan came to uh, David and said, no, this is what the Lord says. No, you can't do that. However, God promises you, and on behalf of Israel, God assured David that the people would be content and prosper under his leadership and they would experience a quiet place, a rest of shalom under David's kingship as David would be obedient and follow the Lord. The heart of God's promises that are repeated over and over through the covenant and through Jesus Christ is that he would be the protector and the provider for his people, that he would guarantee their future blessing because of the character and the nature of God. How many know we serve a good, good father? God's word says that we are engraved upon his hands. Remember when you were a kid and you, those big ballpoint pens? How many remember those? The clear ones that you could use to write notes on your hands? Or the boys in seventh grade would use them to take the, the ink refill out? And I hate my... I hate to say, but spitballs, and we'd fire them, and if there was a girl we liked and she ignored us, we'd <laughs> to get their attention. Uh, what, what great uh, advances in romance. I mean, we really were something, you know. But we'd write on the palm of our hand so not to forget something. The Bible says this, that God is guaranteed to be the provider and the protector of his people so Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 8 that we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, because he is our heavenly Father and it's a term of endearment, came through his covenants. God's covenant with David was a guarantee that his purpose to bring to mankind a righteous king would surely be fulfilled through David as David walked in the covenant with the Lord. God promised to maintain a special relationship with David's descendants. David's descendants, 
We're known as Israel, as the people of God, but you and I have entered into that same designation, and we are now the people of God. And there's only ever been one people of God. How many understand that? The fact that you were born in one country or have one name doesn't make a person any better or any more special to God. But when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have entered into the covenant with God. Now Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant, praise his name. And God assured David that he would establish an eternal royal destiny. He would have a house and a throne forever, God's word says, that would outlast any earthly temple or house. And the Messiah, the Messiah would sit on that throne, Jesus Christ. Can someone say praise God? Yes. And so David fulfilled God's purposes in his generation by his faithful obedience to the Lord, by being a man after God's own heart, and by utilizing the resources that God has put in his hand. Every one of you, myself included, God has given time, he has given treasure, and he's given talent. We can use them for the purposes of God and we can be blessed by those things or we can use them solely for self-consumption. When he was the shepherd boy, he was the faithful shepherd boy who killed the bears and the lions with what he had. When he was brought to the battle, sent to the battle where Goliath was, and his dad sent him there to bring provisions. He was faithful as he slung that sling and he brought down the giant Goliath in the situation where God placed him. He was faithful wherever he was. As a psalmist and a poet, he was anointed and he would write wonderful poetry and psalms that I just marvel at this, this man. And as a mighty warrior, he expanded the kingdom of Israel and subdued the enemies of God. He was an anointed servant to Saul with harp and song. Even though God had said that he would tear the kingdom from Saul, David never took advantage of it. Even when he had opportunity to slay him, he said, I will not touch God's anointed. And he ministered faithfully before Saul, even when Saul was enraged and took a spear and threw it at him to pin him to the wall. David was faithful to serve in the place that God had sent him to. He was known as the shepherd king. He was a mighty lion of God. He was also a penitent sinner, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, but he was faithful as a king to, to make preparations to build the temple and to provide for the next generation. And men and women whose heart is after God always look after not just the immediate, but the generations that will follow them. As, and we say to ourselves, Lord, help us to prepare the way for the next generation to come. So they will want to follow the Lord. Today, God has a part for you and for me to play in his divine purpose. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? We have a part. You don't have to be a king. In fact, there's not many kings in the United States. How many know that? But you have a part in your family, on the job, in your neighborhood, in the church to fulfill 
your purpose and God's purpose in your generation. I've, I'm going to share something that I talked with Chris about, and, and uh, she gave her permission, so I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, um, but some of you know that Chris came as, with her family at a young age in the late 1950s from Germany. As a young, young girl in first grade, spoke no English, just German, and my understanding is did not speak for a whole year. Uh, the family had come from war-torn Germany. They'd been traumatized by war, just the atrocities of war, and very, very unstable. But it was a church in America, the Lutheran church, that sponsored them and brought them over here. They found themselves in upstate New York where in the late 1950s, just 13 years after World War II, there was still a lot of anti-German and Hitler and Nazi sentiment that was there in these small towns. And they sort of bounced from place to place and she was a, a young girl in the middle of seven children in a German family and... Um, just related some of the places that they lived, and one was a, just a warehouse, their dad trying to provide for the family, and they lived in a warehouse. And, and uh, I will say this, uh, that you don't have to feel sorry for Chris because she doesn't feel sorry for herself. She's a, she is a trophy of God's grace and a wonderful woman of God. Reality is reality, and she related to me that how she wanted to invite, have friends and girlfriends, but when you're 11 or 12, you can't invite your friends to a warehouse. Everyone lived in a regular house, not a warehouse. But before that age, just as a young girl, there was someone who had a vacation Bible, a vacation, a backyard Bible school, and she, at that point, that faithful person would gather those children around and she began to hear the story of Jesus Christ and his great love and how he loves us and how he took the sin of the world upon his shoulders. And, she, and Chris was telling me, she said, I still remember the illustration of being in darkness, one circle, but when we come to Jesus Christ, we step into the light and the love of God, and what a transformation. And it began a process in her life, and then people in the local Assembly of God church, she started attending there, and, and it wasn't really with your parents' blessings, but the church took Chris in, and she began to list the people who mentored her and cared for her. And then one day... One day, God called her to go to Bible college, to Southeastern University, and then she met me, and the rest is history. And, but I asked her, I said, can you give me the name of the person with the Backyard Bible Club? She said, I can't. I don't. I can't remember. But that, purpose, that woman fulfilled the purpose of God in her generation. The kids that maybe no one looked at too much, but she used her house, she used her backyard, and she faithfully taught 
the love of Jesus Christ from the scriptures week after week after week after week. And God has a part for you and for me to play in this redemptive chain that runs from Scripture to when Jesus Christ comes and offers us a place to be a link, a strong link, tying one generation to the next generation. That you and I can, it can be said of us that we fulfilled the purpose of God in our generation. What time, what treasure, what talent do you possess to help fulfill his purpose. Be all in for the Lord. Love the church. And when we do, we can expect miracles and blessing to happen. David changed the generation. You and I can change the generation that God causes to come into contact with. Praise his name. The second thing the scripture tells us about David is that he shepherded them with integrity of heart. Character counts. It means an honest heart, a heart that adheres to moral and ethical values, a heart that adheres to the values of God's word and the teachings of Jesus. It means integrity and completeness and fullness and innocence and simplicity and uprightness and striving even to be better and to please God. It's not in the sense of being flawless because we all live in a jar of clay. Can someone say amen? We all live in a jar of clay. But it means being mature and whole and striving for that and that there should be consistencies between what you say and who you are. In other words, we walk the talk. How many remember the old Wendy's commercial, Where's the Beef? Remember that little old lady? Yada, yada, yada. Where's the beef? Where's the beef, you know? It means that we're more steak than sizzle. It means that we under-promise and we over-deliver with our life. It means that we can be counted on, that we can stand in the gap and we can step up and we can make a difference rather than being swept away with the spirit of this age that says, who cares? What difference does it make? If I don't do my part, someone else will step in and I'm just going to sit back and relax. No, I want to be on the, on, the, on the playing field. How about you? I don't want to ride the bench. I want to make a difference with my life. And it was said of, of David uh, when Samuel went to anoint the, the next king, 1 Samuel 16, the kingdom had been taken away from Saul, but the Lord said to Samuel, and he, the Lord had directed him to the house of Jesse with those eight sons, and they brought before him the best, the brightest, the most handsome, and Samuel thought, surely this is, this, whoever is up next, this is it. And God said, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he went and brought him in. That was David. Dad went and brought him in. And now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. He's anointed of the Lord. So what, did, what, did, what happened then? What did David do? 
David continue to walk the talk. Character counts. Integrity of heart deeply affects the issues of life. Saul lost his kingship because of a lack of character. 1 Samuel 13, Saul was the king. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. Israel followed him. He goes into battle. The one thing that the king could not do in those days was to intrude into the priestly office. There were certain things that only the king could do and the priest could not do that. And there's certain things that the priest could do and the kings could not do that. But listen to this, 1 Samuel 13. Samuel delayed. This is what God's word says. And Saul sensed the people slipping away. And so he decided that he would offer sacrifices to the Lord. And Samuel arrived on the scene. Saul, in his mind, said, I will do what is pragmatic, practical, what is expedient, because the people are slipping away. The boundaries that God had set, Saul said, no, not this time. I'll deal with that stuff later. Samuel came and saw what was going on, and Samuel said, what are you doing? And he said, because you delayed. Because you delayed. And Samuel said, the Lord will take the kingdom away from you. And he said, to behold, behold that obedience, obedience is better than all the sacrifice in the world that you can do. And then in 1 Samuel 15, They were, no, they were to not save any of the spoil of battle. Saul turned around. He saved what he could and gave it to the people. And Samuel came and once again said, you will lose your kingdom over it. Character counts. Being after God's heart is the wellspring of integrity. He was a man after God's own heart. You see, our heroes become our models. Our heroes become our models. I, I'm not an old man. I don't feel like an old man, except when I bend over to tie my shoes and wonder what else I can do whilst I'm down there. Any amens out there? Except when I go into the bedroom and say, what, what did I come in here for? I went to the by the way, I'm having cataract surgery on Tuesday, and I had a pre-op. They had to, you know, and, and I really love this. My, my primary care physician is about my age, almost about my age in a few years, and we've been with him since, I mean, almost 25 years. It's been a long time. Just love him to death. You know, we have a good relationship. But they had a young physician's assistant who was a female, an athlete, really bright, and we're talking, and she's doing all this. She said, well, basically, uh, you're a healthy dude. <laughs> I, man, I'm ready for another 25 years. <laughs> no. 
but I want my life to be marked with being a man after God's own heart. Our heroes become our model. They influence what we do. If our heroes are those people, are those desires of our heart that model things that aren't righteous or contrary to God and his ways and love and kindness, we can't expect to follow after those models all week long and then come to church on Sunday morning, see our friends, get our praise on, fellowship, hear a word from the Lord, and the, and the slate sort of gets wiped clean, reset, and we get back out without it affecting us. It does affect us. Being a man or woman after God's heart is something that it's a course in our life. It's like the magnet that draws us onward to what God has for us. David was a man after God's own heart, and he was an all-in worshiper of God who lived for God's purpose. And parents, I would just say this. First of all, in men, I want to speak with men. Who are our models? Who are we following? But then also for our children, take guard. Watch over your home and your house. Protect. Say no. This is the way that we'll walk in it. Integrity bears fruit to benefit others. It's... um, when, when our hearts are whole before the Lord, it means that other people can depend on us. Do we disappoint people? Yeah, we disappoint people. Do we disappoint ourselves? Yes, we disappoint ourselves. But all in all, it bears fruit that benefits others. In First Chronicles 29, 1 and 2, David was at the end of, sort of at the end of his career, and he had wanted to build a temple. And the Lord said, no, you can't because you're a, a man of war. There's blood on your hands. But God gave his blessing for David to prepare and assemble and all the, the things that were necessary. So First Chronicles 29, 1 and the beginning of verse 2, King David said to the entire assembly, he invited all Israel to come and leadership to come. My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. The work is great. For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God. And he listed all of these things. David recognized something that those who come before him, God will raise up other people that will do a work that God perhaps doesn't allow us to do or we're not equipped to do. But we have a responsibility to prepare and to make the way for the next generation. Every person has their time. And even when there's things in the desire of our heart that we want to do or believe that we could do, and we offer ourselves to the Lord, if God doesn't say yes to us, we commit ourselves to assembling those things and preparing the way for the next generation. Saul wouldn't do that with David. It was crazy, the difference between Saul and David. You you remember they'd come back from battle. Saul was such a jealous individual and a man of evil temper. But he was the king. And how many know if you're the king, you're the king. No one can take that. You're the king. 
just be faithful to God. And they'd come back and they'd be dancing in the streets saying that Saul has slain his thousands and I can just see old King Saul. I mean, his chest is puffed out. He's, yeah, they're finally giving me the credit I'm due. But David has slain his ten thousands and it, it just was killing Saul and he tried to do away with him more than once. All he had to do was recognize that God's touch was on that man's life and David would serve him and his kingdom if he would allow it, but he wouldn't allow it. David was different than Saul. He prepared the way for the next generation. And then I love this next thing about, about David in 2 Samuel 23, 14 to 16. And David of Bethlehem, the Philistines had possessed Bethlehem. And the scene is this, that David's there with three of his mighty men, and he attracted these powerful men. I mean, good grief. One of the men that he attracted was Benaiah. And Benaiah wasn't even one of the three mighty men. He was one of the 30, and this is what it said about him, he, that he was, in the, he was in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, and he killed the lion. Now, how is that for being a mighty man? And these are the type of people that David was around him, and David said, oh, that I could have a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. And the Bible says that the three mighty men broke through the ranks of the Philistine, and they brought him back this container of cold water. And this is what David did because of the integrity of his heart. He looked at those men and realized if he would have drank that water, if he would have drank that water, it would have been all about him, but instead he said, no, that won't honor these men. This, this belongs to God for what they did, and he poured out the water as a sacrifice to God rather than drinking it. I love David because of things like that. He bore fruit to benefit others. Integrity owns his own failures because we are jar jars of clay. You remember Bathsheba and Uriah when Joab and Israel were out to war, and there was a man, Uriah, who was a captain, and his wife was, lived in town, and David, in the cool of the evening, saw this beautiful woman, this beautiful Jewish woman, saw her, no doubt, disrobing and taking a bath, and he said, I want her, and go get her, and brought her there, and committed adultery with another man's wife, and she became pregnant. And then he, when he found out, he called for Uriah to come home, and David wanted to say, look, he said, I'm, I'm giving you a reward for your faithfulness. Go in, be with your wife for a couple days. Everyone knew what that meant. And Uriah went from his presence, and the next morning they found him. He's sleeping in the door of the palace. They said, what are you doing? He said, how can I go with my wife when my fellow soldiers are out fighting the battle? He was an honorable man. And so David manipulated and, and told Joab that put him in the front of the battle and then give a signal to withdraw when the battle gets hot and heavy, but don't let Uriah know the signal. And that's what happened, and Uriah died. But what David did when the prophet came to him, because he was a man after God's own heart, read Psalm 51, he said, Oh, God, cleanse me, wash me, make me whiter than snow. snow. Return to me the joy of my salvation. It owns its failures. 
My mom used to put it this way. She said, be sure your sin will find you out. Is anyone else raised like that? Be sure your sins will find you out. Yes. Everything ripens and comes to a head. But integrity is not what we're paid for, but it's what we live for. It's not what we're paid for. It's what we live for. So we live for it, whether it's in the pasture or in the palace. First Chronicles 29.3 said, says this. He said, and besides all this, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. He had a treasure besides what he could do as a king, and he gave it to the house of the Lord. Integrity of heart is a gift that keeps on giving to our family, to our church, to our community, to the next generation. The good news is that even in our failure, there's the grace of God. I just want to say this because, listen, we, it's really important that we understand we're jars of clay, and the enemy will condemn you and say you're no good, you've disqualified yourself. Let God's grace come to your life. Let God restore. And I want to end with this, this the skillfulness of hands. 1 Samuel, and if you just put the scriptures up, I want to comment on them. So David comes to the battle, and Goliath is there. And basically he said, who is this man that will defy the armies of the living God? Saul tried to put his armor on him. He said, I don't need this stuff. He said, as a shepherd, I've killed bears and lions when no one was looking, and this uncircumcised Philistine will suffer the same fate. And he said to the Goliath, Goliath, he said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts of the armies of Israel. Goliath lifted threw his head back and laughed and just roared because the stakes were high. No one dared confront Goliath because they all knew that they would lose and the Philistines would win. But there was this shepherd boy named David whom God had chosen and anointed and equipped in the wilderness when no one was looking. Do you remember the song only a boy named David. How do you remember the song? Only a boy named David. Only a babbling brook. Only a boy named David. But five little stones he took. And he withdrew one. And the Bible says as he slung this thing, the stone went up, hit Goliath in the forehead. He went to the ground. David ran over, cut off his head because that was what they did in those days. And the army of the Philistines was routed and the army of Israel who served the living God, they prevailed, praise God. Skillfulness is cultivated. Skillfulness of hands is cultivated before we arrive not after we arrive. It is motivated by vision, not deterred by criticism. Saul was worried about what people thought. His brothers said to him, what are you doing here, you little rat? We know you're up to no good. You're just sticking your nose in the, in, in the business of men who were real soldiers. 
but it's motivated by vision, by what God has called us to, not by what people say. It understands the battle is the Lord's, and ultimately no weapon formed against us will prosper in the strong name of Jesus. Praise his name. Amen. God has a purpose for you, and God has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for this world, and you and I get to partner and say that we fulfill. May it be said of us that we fulfill the purpose of God in our generation. Praise his name. Today, you might think that you are outside of of that or that what you do doesn't make a difference. It really does make a difference. Whether your name is so-and-so, just a lady with a backyard Bible club, use what God puts in your hands, a slingshot, a stone. Just use what God puts in your hands. You can make a difference in a generation or in somebody's life together, together, We can do more than we can ever do apart. Praise his name. I want to have the usher team. If you'd come, we're going to wait on you for communion. In just a moment, we're going to serve you. He has a purpose and a covenant for our life because of Jesus Christ. Our obedience to him brings about the benefits of that covenant. God makes our hearts whole and gives us grace gives us grace to be skillful and useful in his hands. Praise his name. Amen.